fact, nothing but a scientific check can keep you from forgetting your audience while you're speaking or writing. It may be only for a sentence or two. You may be only slightly off pitch, but it will happen to you again and again as it happens to every writer and speaker at all times. Let me give you a few horrible examples as a warning. Here's a teacher who writes a book on the how and the why of life, one of those quote-unquote painless, disguised textbooks that are supposed to make children like biology. Cleverly, she introduces little Bobby, who is forever asking questions, and his father, who is a doctor and knows all the answers. On page 5, to start the pair off on biology, mother has twins. Bobby, who knows his cue, asks father, how did it happen that mother had two babies instead of one? And here's daddy's immortal answer. All mammals, which usually have one offspring at a time, occasionally have multiple births. Unquote. What happened here is obvious. The poor teacher-author got lost in textbook language and couldn't find her way back to plain English. So, working hard to make it, quote, make it a story, unquote, she wound up with a husband who calls his wife a mammal. Let's take another example. This is a choice bit from Radio Talk a doctor gave one weekday afternoon to housewives. The topic was what to do with children who get sick. Listen. Quote, Although I stressed organic disease, one must not lose sight of the early symptoms of behavior disorders, which are amenable to proper management under the guidance of your physician. But in addition to behavior problems per se, Changes in behavior may themselves indicate organic disease. Unquote. Do you understand what he means? Do you think the housewives understood? Do you think they'll be able to tell a behavior problem per se, quote unquote, when they see one? But you may say that these outrages were committed by teachers and doctors. Professional writers would never do such things. Let's see, how about advertising copywriters? Aren't they paid and special, specially trained to talk the language of the reader? Well, look at the following ad. It appeared in Time magazine under one of those deceptive captions that make you believe for a few seconds that you are reading news rather than an ad. Surely the writer must have tried to keep in tune with Time's editorial style. But did he? I reprint the ad with what appeared in a parallel column so that you can see for yourself. And here's the advertisement. Hotels. The dining revolution which rationing has wrought since the beginning of the current war is mild indeed when compared with the typical Parker House banquet of pre-Civil War days. The contrast was dramatically highlighted recently by the unusual menu of a, quote, dinner for 24 gentlemen, unquote, given at the Parker House in 1857. 
discovered in the archives of Boston's well-known Webster and Atlas National Bank, which is celebrating its 110th anniversary this year. The physical format of the menu is something the like of which has not been seen for many a year, and the abundance and variety of the following feast will not be seen on a hotel menu for many a month to come. And on the other column, sport. Big Bill Gonsalves, who works as a mechanic at the Worthington Pump Co., when he is not playing soccer, is a 200-pound six-footer with a tremendous kick in his massive legs. One of soccer's hardest shots, he can boot a ball fast enough to break a man's hand. From 20 yards, he has often broken the goal's netting. Now, never mind, if you can, that we have here in four sentences a revolution that dines and is being compared with a banquet, a recent dinner given in 1857, in a physical format that is disc- discovered in the archives. Just look at the style of the ad and compare it with the snappy sports news that makes time readers turn to this page. That ad writer knows his public even less than his grammar. The next exhibit comes from a book entitled Let the People Know. It was written by a famous political writer and Nobel Prize winner as an answer to the questions in the mind of John, citizen, the average American man in the street. At least, that's what the author thinks the book is. Actually, he writes in the same style he used in two dozen other books John Citizen never bothered about. So, when he wants to say that people don't know, he has said that in the little in the title anyhow, he prattles along. And here's the excerpt. The dangers of misinformation. We are dealing here perhaps rather than rather with a misapprehension as to the actual facts than with a confusion as to the, the use of terms. But the facts themselves are important in this connection because they bear upon our view as to the line of solution, the remedy which the nation apply for the solution or alleviation of the very real economic difficulties which face them, will depend upon the extent to which they are dominated by or free from these elementary confusions. Unquote. Let me put it this way. Quote, the remedy to apply for the solution or alleviation of the very real literary difficulties which face, unquote, the writer of these lines, quote, will depend upon the extent to which he is dominated by or free from his elementary confusions, unquote, as to the way John Citizen talks. Of course, you may say that all this business about John Citizen is just a literary convention. Books on current affairs are read by only a few thousand intellectuals, as everyone knows. Let the People Know was probably a title the publisher dreamed up, and John Citizen, the average American man in the street, doesn't read books by Nobel Prize winners but sports news and the funnies. True. But there are things John Citizen has to read whether he wants to or not. 
one of these must items in his income tax instructions and they are or were written like this. 3. Here's a excerpt from the tax. Substantial underestimated or estimated tax. In the case of the individuals other than farmers, if 80% of the tax determined without regard to the credits for tax withheld on tax-free covenant bonds and for income and victory tax withheld on wages exceeds the estimated tax increased by such credits, and in the case of farmers, if 66 to 3 2/3% of the tax determined without regard to such credits exceeds the estimated tax increased by such credits, there shall be added to the tax an amount equal to such excess or equal to 6% of the amount by which a tax so determined exceeds the estimated tax so increased, whichever is the lesser. Unquote. Next time you get around to tax paying, you will have to read and understand sentences like this. Right now, you may just look at it for a while in the way you would look at a dinosaur skeleton in the museum. As your guide, I can tell you that it contains 107 words, 21 prepositions, 11 past participles, and 8 places where you have to do some arithmetic. And just to save you a sleepless night, here's a gist of it. If you guess your tax too low, you'll have to pay a fine, but they can't fine you more than 6% of your error. Now, have another look at our dinosaur before we go on to the next monster. This one comes from a book on science for laymen. Not a scientific treatise, mind you, but one of those patchwork volumes made from two dozen pieces by outstanding scientists and put together to give the unscientific bystander a quick overview. Here's a specimen from the editor's preface. Quote, The fatal legacy of science, as it is unfortunately interpreted in contemporary anthropomorphic culture is the too frequent insistence that the symbols do themselves constitute a logically autonomous and self-sufficient system and that in the syntactical structure of that system resides the logical reality that has formerly been supposed to subsist in the extra-linguistic entities symbolized by the system. Unquote. That's what happens if you start talking about, quote, extra-linguistic entities, unquote, which are, I suppose, things beyond words. Don't bother to figure this one out. It's hopeless. I confess that I only put it here to sell you once, sell you once and for all on plain talk. And I do hope that by now your mouth waters for homely, simple language as it would for a nice chunk of grandmother's oven-baked brown bread. Plain talk is just as hard to find as good, old-fashioned bread. There's only one difference. You can walk into any store today and buy enriched bread, whose vitamins have been scientifically restored. But if you want to restore the vitamins to your language, you have to get down to work and learn how to do it yourself. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. That is very. Oh, I'm still recording. Mm-hmm.